Westlaw Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with a red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially in the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Uh, today, gentlemen, we are here to talk about Iowa. Um, you know, this is a, a team that it's, it seems like you know exactly what you're going to get with them, except they're all, they always do the opposite. Like, and, and we've said this every year. It's the years we think Iowa's going to be bad, they end up being good. The years we think they're going to be good, they end up sucking. And, you know, they're always just sort of right there in the middle. And I, I tell me I'm not seeing anything differently. And, and these guys are just sort of a, solid middle-of-the-road Big Ten West team. I mean, uh, John, defensively, replacing Josie Jewell is is no easy fact. And, you know, as a Bronco fan, I'm loving seeing Josie Jewell uh, wearing the orange and blue. How much are they going to miss him in the black and gold? Well, it's funny because you were just talking about the idea, right, of um, the consistency with Iowa. And that's true. I mean, like, when it comes to defense, consistency has been what they've had. But this year is going to be a little bit different, and Josie Jewell is a great place to start. Um, but first, um, the Big Ten fielded nine quality defensive units, let's say, in 2017. And Iowa was probably the ninth best defense of those nine teams. I don't mean to throw shade because there's really very little separation between the fifth best and ninth best defense in the conference, at least looking at last year. And technically, Iowa had the fifth best scoring defense in the Big Ten, although the four teams below them gave up less than a point more a game than the Hawkeyes did. In fact, Iowa's defense was almost identical to Northwestern's in terms of both yards and points given up. With all of that said, and again, this is circling back to where we started, Iowa doesn't have a particularly rosy outlook heading into 2018 on defense, and there are several obvious reasons why. The biggest is that Iowa is turning over its entire linebacker core, and this group was absolutely fantastic. Josie Jewell, Ben Neiman, and Bo Bauer combined for an unreal 590 tackles in their final two years starting together. Um, last year, they added 23 tackles for loss. A lot of the headlines over the past few years may have gone to Iowa's secondary, but the linebackers were the heart and soul of the defense. And now the Hawkeyes will be breaking in three new starters and all of them will be absolutely green. This is an especially big deal because the one thing Iowa did not have in 2017 was good interior defensive line play. Iowa gave up 145 yards a game against the run last year, which is respectable normally, but not when you have any coach's dream linebacker trio. Um, if you have that, you expect something better than the eighth best run defense in the Big Ten, which is what Iowa had. Iowa does have a deep group of defensive ends, led by Parker Hess and Anthony Nelson, who combined for 22 tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks last year. You can expect to see more than two of Iowa's DNs on the field at any given time because a couple of them have really good size and Iowa isn't getting any production out of its tackles. The big name to watch here is sophomore A.J. Espinaza, who was a former monster recruit, five stars from a couple services. Um, he could do a lot of damage rushing from the edge, but he's a solid 280 pounds and he's probably going to get shifted inside a lot to protect the linebackers. 
I was in a little bit of a pickle here because the Hawkeyes are going to need to maximize their pass rush to cover for the loss of the team's best player in terms of raw talent, Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson plays for the Packers now, and like Jewel, was a first-team All-American. Iowa brings back a quality safety in Imani Hooker, but this will be the first time in many years that Iowa won't have a lockdown cover man in the secondary. So Iowa has the talent up front where it matters, um, at end, and especially if Espinaza is an every-down tackle. Line play is probably going to keep Iowa from slipping down into the doldrums of the league, def- the league defensively, but this is not going to be a great defense in 2018. If anything, Iowa will probably be the ninth best defense in the conference once again, and this time it's not going to be because of a tight statistical grouping. It's going to be because Iowa just isn't as good as eight other teams. So, Scuzz, offensively, I mean... We don't have to, we now no longer have to worry about the biggest thorn in our side that is Akram Wadley. But, you know, Nate Stanley's been getting a lot of press uh, or a lot of, you know, talk from the, you know, national media, big, big podcasts and whatnot. But I have to ask you, is the sequel going to be as good as the uh, original? Well, the media, like you mentioned, seems to think that he's going to be the equivalent of Terminator 2. I think it might be more Hot Shots Part Do. <laughs> um, I just, it's weird. Like, he certainly had a decent year last year, but it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't off the charts. I my, my take is that there's nothing overtly wrong with him. And as a result, everyone's kind of anointing him as like, oh, this, this guy's the best returning QB in the West. He could be amazing. And uh, I don't know, we'll see. Let's... Let's address everything else about Iowa's offense first. Uh, And part of the reason I want to do that is that in some subtle ways, this team is not what you would usually expect from an Iowa team. So first, the running game. Uh, Last year, Akram Wadley had over 1,000 yards rushing, but you know we knew going into the season he was never going to be a a 30-carry-a-game guy. It's just not how he's built. They had James Butler, the transfer from Nevada, who was supposed to be the the thunder to Wadley's lightning. Um, however, he was injured and missed five games. During those five games, Iowa's rushing numbers plummeted, and overall they had their worst rush stats since 2012. This year, they have very little returning talent uh, and no incoming players of real note. It's interesting that their top eight recruits are all on the defensive side. There's just not a lot of talent coming in offensively for Iowa. Uh, Torin Young and Ivory Kelly Martin uh, each had a, a couple hundred yards apiece last year, and they are billed as as the likely um, starters or, or the guys to get the most uh, the most playing time at running back this year. Uh, Keyshawn Bryan is a redshirt freshman, and he's got kind of the highest pedigree coming out of high school. We'll see if he sees the field. Uh, Young seems like your classic Iowa between the tackles guy, and the one that I think pundits are most excited about. I, you know, from a Northwestern perspective, historically, we've done pretty well against the uh, straight up the middle Iowa running backs. It's the guys like Wadley that get outside and, you know, start to to hurt us with the crackback blocks from the tight ends and and the tackles and, and just, you know, the intricate stuff that Iowa can do on the edges when they've got a powerful runner uh, and they can start using all their, their fullbacks and tight ends to great effect. Frankly, it, unless uh, Kelly Martin or Keyshawn Bryan, who, who also seems like kind of a, a more of a bruising style running back, uh, unless those guys can emerge as an outside slash in space 
uh, threat from from the running back position. I'm just I'm not really concerned uh, by by Iowa's backfield. Part of my skepticism uh, for all that is the offensive line. They lost far and away their most talented player in, in center James Daniels to the NFL draft last season. Uh, their starting, starting right guard is also gone, and they lost two death players. Keegan Render slides over from left guard to center, and uh, this is interesting. The Paulson brothers, Levi and Landon, take the two guard spots. Given that they have the identical height and weight listed, I assume that these are twins. The tackles are pretty good. They're both sophomores. Um, but this is not a typical offensive-laden Iowa O-line. Like, they've got a, a fair, you know, these two sophomores, um, the center is the only senior, and then the, the Paulson brothers are both juniors. And they don't have, like, a ton of, of depth behind these guys either that, that have played a lot. They just, it, it, it almost seems more of a young, up-and-coming, passing-oriented line instead of a, a running, you know, a, a running-oriented line, given all the turnover in the interior. And I just, given that Wadley couldn't chew up all the yardage on the on the outside last year, it makes me wonder how good these these tackles are at blocking as well. So questions abound uh, on the running game, and I just can't see them improving on last year's rushing numbers significantly. So now we get to the passing offense. Can that get better uh, to somehow elevate Iowa? So first of all, and Sam, this goes directly to your point. I'm not, I don't know how sure I, I don't know how good their passing offense was to begin with. So Stanley had a nice year when you look at his overall stats. You know, 56% completion isn't great, but he had 26 TDs to only six picks. However, he threw for 330 against Iowa, or against Iowa State, and he had a solid game against Ohio State. He was, you know, 20 of 30 for 226 yards, but he was pedestrian outside of that. He had 247 against Illinois, 223 against NU on 33 attempts. That's not great. Uh, And he didn't eclipse 200 yards in any other game in a 10-point loss to Purdue, so a game that they should have been passing down the stretch. He completed less than 50% of his passes and only gained 176 yards through the air. His yards per attempt are under 7. This is another weird thing about Iowa's offense last year. Historically, they've been a play-action, throw-deep kind of team, and his yards per attempt just don't show that. Part of the problem is at wideout. They do not have a big downfield threat. You think about Matt Vandenberg, uh, who a couple years ago before he got injured was phenomenal downfield. He tore Northwestern apart in a couple different games. He's gone. He was limited last year a bit uh, due to injury anyway. And the the, lead, the leading re- receiver from last year, Nick Easley, is not a downfield guy at all. He averages like six air yards per target. Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson those those are the two tight ends. They had the far and away the the greatest yards per catch um, for Iowa last year. They're both back. They're really good, but there's nobody else there. Wadley was the only other player with meaningful receptions on last year's team. So they've got an underneath receiver and two tight ends. They also don't really have anybody from a major talent or pedigree standpoint coming into the offense this year. There's you know a, a number of other receivers on their roster certainly but nobody stands out it's worth noting that Vandenberg was like in the 300s in recruiting rankings so he's you know like at wide receiver not overall he he's not a a top guy so it's possible they have somebody waiting in the wings that they've been developing but all in all it's just really hard for me to see how this offense fits together they don't have the interior line play they don't have the running back talent to key play action they don't have the receiving weapons to dictate terms against decent defenses and keep the safeties honest I think teams should be able to bracket Fant with a linebacker and a safety, 
read pass first and then react to the running game. The only thing, like I said before, that I can figure is that Stanley doesn't have any obvious weaknesses. And, you know, he's kind of efficient. He doesn't make dumb throws. And everybody's looking at that and just assuming he's going to get better. But I just I just don't see it. I mean, the only the only other thing you can maybe point to, they, they, they lost three really close games last year against Michigan State, Northwestern, and Penn State. So maybe a more seasoned Stanley, you know, last year was his first year of starting. Maybe he's able to win those games this year, be a little bit more of a, a of a threat in um, the last two minutes of a game. But the supporting cast around around him seems like a step back to me from last year, and I can't see this offense getting better. So looking at their schedule, uh, they open up the year at home against Northern Illinois. Then the Cyhawk Trophy is played in uh, Kinnick Stadium as well. They got Northern Iowa and Wisconsin before their bye week. Uh, they travel to Minnesota at Indiana, home for Maryland, at Penn State, at Purdue, home for Northwestern, at Illinois, and then home for Nebraska on uh, Friday after Thanksgiving. Um, biggest, I, I think, and we mentioned this with the, was when we were talking about Wisconsin, um, all of their tough games well, except for Penn State, are at home. They get they get Wisconsin at home. They get us at home. Um, I guess that's kind of it for their their tough games. Uh, they really kind of lucked out with the their Eastern matchups with Indiana, Maryland, and uh, Penn State. I guess um, in Maryland, you know, obviously with everything that's going on there, we haven't really touched on that. But now we have another dated uh, preview as far as Maryland goes. But um, yeah, I mean, I was typically really good at home. I mean, I, you look last year, Ohio State goes in, gets absolutely, you know, shellacked. Penn State, you know, they had to sneak away with a two-point win, uh, did the Nittany Lions. Um, you know, Iowa plays well at home. But are it's, are they better than another 8-14? and 14? It's It's funny, given what you were saying before about how it's always so hard to predict what the Hawkeyes are going to do because I mean if I look at this schedule I mean you guys tell me I look at this and I say there are eight teams on the schedule that instinctively I would say the Hawkeyes are better than but I just don't know how much I'm I'm giving credit to the way they've historically performed Um, because again like they're they've got a quarterback who right is getting a lot of credit just for being fine and this defense is just totally depleted they lose their best offensive lineman I don't know I'm like on one hand I'm like there are eight teams on this schedule where I feel like Iowa is legit better than those teams but it's really hard for me to see them winning all of those games uh but remember we were going into 2016 with the Wildcats and we're looking at the schedule schedule and saying you know what I think this team is better this year but their record's probably going to be worse I think the opposite is true about Iowa this year. I think this is a, probably a worse team than the one they fielded last season. But their record, I, I think their record could get better. I mean, they were 7-5 and five regular season. I could see nine wins. I mean, I could squint and see ten. It's, it's kind of crazy to think. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I guess I'll ultimately say nine and three. I, I don't, I don't think Iowa State is good enough to beat them. Um, and I'll take, you know, Northwestern, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Just kind of draw the line at, at games they should win and games that, 
you know, they might they might not be favored in. Um, they'll probably be favored against us, but I could see it being like a like a two and a half or a two line. Um, I mean that that's sitting here now in August. I mean that that game's yeah. in November, and a lot's going to change between now and then. But I just like they don't. It's funny because usually everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, Iowa's schedule," and we're like, "Yeah, they, yep, Iowa looks like the team to beat this year." And then they crap the bed, or or vice versa, right? Oh man, Iowa doesn't have a chance, and all of a sudden they're they're knocking on the door of the of a undefeated season. This this is one of the first times I feel like we have a strongly different viewpoint than the than the general populace. Um, maybe that works out for us. Yeah, I don't. It, it's funny just. We've talked about so many teams, I feel like, this season where quarterback is like the one missing piece on otherwise loaded offenses, and Iowa's sort of like the reverse of that. Um, And, you know, like, if you believe that up front is where it matters when it comes to a defense, Iowa's got it up front probably. Um, And and the whole back seven is just going to be a big question mark. I'll tip my hat to Ferentz. If this team wins nine games... um, that is a heck of a coaching job because it will basically mean that in every situation where Iowa could reasonably be expected to win, they did win, um, which is, I mean, that's a tall order. Also, low-key, their non-con is a pretty tough non-con. Um, Northern Illinois beat Nebraska in Nebraska last year. Um, Iowa State is a coin flip. That that game's a coin flip every year regardless of how those two teams are are in that given season. Um, and Northern Iowa always plays Iowa tough. So, um, I mean, even getting it out, getting out of that, if they were to take those three games, um, that's a win right there. So, and then, you know, Minnesota, do I think they're better than Minnesota? Yes. Do yes. I think, yes. Do, do I think they're definitely get the win on the road? I don't, I mean, Indiana, same thing. Are they better than Indiana? Yes. Do I think a hundred percent sure that they're going to get a win on the road? I don't know. I mean, I, again, Purdue, same thing. I think they're better than Purdue. Illinois, they're going to win. Um, but uh, <laughs> and Nebraska, they for sure have the better team, and that game's at home. So, but again, I, I they're this is not just like Scuzz said. It's not the team that they had last year. And yes, they have a lot of winnable games on this schedule. But to put something good together, they're going to have to win all of those games. Now. Uh, it's hard to not see a bowl game on this schedule. Oh yeah, I mean, I, there it's there. There are just too many games where they're the better team, and, and you know it's not hard to map out a situation where they pretty easily make it. I mean, they could very easily be six and one when they go to Penn State. I mean, that's not too hard to envision. So, um, but again, it's it's they're going to be in a lot of situations where they have reasonable right to expect a victory, and they're going to have to take care of all those games. Well, and if they do get, you know. If they're able to, to to win a tight game against Wisconsin at home, they I think they took them to the wire a couple of years ago, um, and and similar to us, I mean like they would have the West pretty much wrapped up pretty easily. I like like they in in a way because because they are so good at home, they like they have uh they, they hold their destiny in their own hands, right? Like. You, you could very easily see a scenario where they come out on top of the West, even though everyone is pointing at Wisconsin. I just, I, again, like a big part of it, and this goes back to what Sam led with, like uh, you give them so much credit for being Iowa. This defense lost its four best players by a long shot. It's four best players. 
Um, that, that usually does not go well. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, so I mean, like, you know, uh, we're tipping our caps to the laundry a little bit here. But, um, but yeah, not a hard schedule. So, yeah, could go either way. So at, at what point in the season, if they are having a good one, does Ferentz get like another seven or eight years added on to the end of his contract? <laughs> well, well, like, if, he, if he beats Wisconsin, they're going to sign him to like 2045. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, if he's four and zero in September, that like twenty forty five, where they'll allowed, just say like coach for life. He's allowed to like get on a, a TV and say corn is gross, and I never want to have it at any point in my life, and they still have to pay him all of his money. I think that's where he's headed. <laughs> he's been there twenty years. He's ne- he's never leaving. I mean, if he survived the 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 wrath of the angry Iowa running back hating God. Remember, like they had yeah, what, yeah. Th- like three seasons where it was dark days. Um, I just I can't see a scenario where they where they can him. I mean, Unle- I mean, I, again, unless like the bottom drops out, but like it just doesn't seem like that's plausible. They're going to be they're going to be middling, and I think they're okay with that. I mean, you you look back to twenty thirteen, eight and five, seven and six, twelve and two, eight and five, eight and five. That that's not a a, a fireable, you know line unless you're like at texas or you know at like one of the blue blood schools i was not a blue blood school i disagree uh glenn mason got fired from minnesota for records slightly better than that Um, well i I think you know it's a matter of you know well i I think i i think iowa might be an an actual self-aware college football uh fan base yeah no that's what i'm saying yeah you know that they're going to bowl games every year. They're having solid seasons every year. And is that enough for them? It seems to be. You know, what else what else can they do? Honestly, it's like what's the, what's the next level? You know, they're I I just don't I don't see it. Not with well, the I mean, Big like, Ten the way it is right now. I mean, we're talking about this like they have a choice one way or another. I mean, like they literally can't fire parents. <laughs> it's, well, it's, when's he say he's like signed to twenty twenty? I mean, isn't it twenty twenty? So that they're getting closer. It's, it's a long time. From yeah, now. no, it, it, they're getting closer and closer to a point where it, you can start <laughs> starting to think what where they could afford it without bankrupting the state. Right? Is that what you're trying that, to say? That, that <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Yeah, so that's a good point. Is that they they haven't had the option to fire him, but um, that that never stopped Illinois. Yeah, but it they don't. Se- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair, fair point. But they, but they don't seem upset with him either, and that's I think that's the difference. Like it's not like you know at at, at Minnesota when Glenn Mason is you know beating up on on all the cream puffs and going nine and four every year, and they can't him for Tim Brewster. Um, Sorry, that just still cracks me up. Uh, or, or, yeah, I just like there's so many cases where a some like a, a successful coach by pretty much all objective measures is dropped because of expectations, and it just feels like Ferenc has transpired that at this point. Like he has he has transpired the the lunatic college football fan view on coaches that aren't winning enough, even though they're winning more than the average. It, I mean, it's funny. I mean, you know, I could easily see a situation where your hypothesis about expectations is really tested because in my mind, uh, a season where Iowa loses to Iowa State, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Penn State and wins every other game on their schedule, that's a decent season with this group. Uh, 
I feel like, I mean, that's, I'd be impressed, especially if they pull a ninth win in a bowl game. Um, but I don't know. I mean, there's some people who might be like, oh, we lost to Iowa State and Wisconsin and Penn State and Northwestern and, and look at it glass half empty. But, um, I think, you know, eight wins is, that's, that's, you know, that's a proud accomplishment with all the turnover this team has. But I guess we'll, we'll see. Yeah. As, ask, but ask Bo Pelini what eight wins gets you. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a different equation though, right? Like, that fan that fan base is not as self aware. Uh, okay. <laughs> Clearly, yeah, yeah, right. Give it, give it, give it some time. I think, uh, yeah, Nebraska fans ought to be taking whatever Iowa's going to pull out this year because uh, uh, Nebraska would love to have eight wins this season. They're going to be mad if they don't get it too. Well, that'll just about wrap it up for our preview of Iowa. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, at westlotpirates. You can call our voicemail line, 847-231-2287. That's 847-231-CATS. And email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skousboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.